Hello, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely show, a podcast for women who want to clear their clutter and create space for freedom and joy. If your life keeps getting bigger, but not better, keep listening to learn about decluttering from the inside out. It's about creating a life that's aligned with your values and priorities, so you can have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. I'm your host, Jennifer, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's Jen here, and welcome to episode one of the Simply and Fiercely show. And as you heard in the intro, this podcast is about simplifying and decluttering and really everything I've learned on my own journey from being, you know, a um, a full-on shopaholic 10 or so years ago to living with what a lot of people would consider a minimalist lifestyle now. So I thought a good way to really kick off the show would be by sharing part of my story with you. And there's a few reasons for this. First of all, I think it's helpful because as you're going to find out, my story is very, very imperfect. I didn't just sit down one day and figure things out. Instead, it was really a massive challenge. I made mistakes, I went around in circles, I gave up quite a few times, you know, It was just a real challenge for me and it was messy and it wasn't easy. And I think that it's just good to hear that sometimes, you know, because sometimes on the internet, blogs, podcasts, whatever, um, things aren't always what they seem yet. There's a lot of minimalism blogs and you've probably heard lots of decluttering stories, but perhaps not as many of people who are (laughs) trying and utterly failing the way that I did. So I guess I just want to kick things off by, you know, putting it out there for anyone who finds it really hard the way I did. And I guess it's because I know there are people out there, um, like my husband, for example, who are naturally pretty minimalist. Um, It's actually quite funny. He's just not a stuff person. And he actually doesn't understand at all why I would have a podcast or a blog or why anyone would even want to hear about topics like decluttering and minimalism because it just comes so naturally to him. Um, (laughs) To be clear, he's very supportive of what I do, but he just doesn't get it, right? But on the other hand, I know that there are a lot of people who are like me. And I don't know, for whatever reason, we're just wired differently, whatever. We have this deeper relationship with stuff and we find that letting go... (sighs) It's just, I don't know, for me it was, um, you know, almost painful sometimes. And it was really one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Um, And so I guess if that's you, if you're struggling with decluttering and simplifying, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And so yeah, that's who this podcast is for, really. Um, For the people who struggle and who just need some support. And like I've said, I've been there. And I just think that I have some perspectives, perspectives, perspectives (laughs) that aren't talked about a lot and I'm excited to share them with you. So for today I'm going to share my story and it's to help you feel perhaps a bit less alone but more than that I also want to to explain why I think that decluttering and minimalism and simplifying are so important. And yeah I know what you might be thinking right like Yes, I know why it's so important. Everybody wants life to be simpler. Everyone, you know, wants less stuff to clean. And I get that because, um, you know, that's what I wanted too. And that's what attracted me to this lifestyle in the first place. 
But I guess what I found is that that sort of um, those expected benefits in minimalism, you know, like like less to deal with, I guess. It's really just the beginning, almost like the cherry on top. Um, these are good things, but the real power of decluttering and minimalism is so much deep, deeper. And I know that that sounds really cheesy, yeah? Um, but I think that if you're the type of person who feels a strong connection to your stuff the way that I did, then learning to let go really changes you on a much more fundamental level. Okay, so um, I guess enough of me blabbering about my story. I think the best way to really explain this all is to just dive in. Um, But first, I just want to say one more thing and just to say that this is my story. I'm not saying that like it's the be all and end all or just because I could do things this way that you can do them exactly the same way. You know, we're all so different. But I guess that what I want to offer um, is just an example of what might be possible, okay? Because as I'll I'll explain with my story, that's what some people did for me by sharing their stories of their lives. And they planted like a seed of an idea in my my mind um, that in a way changed my entire life, okay? So um, (laughs) that might be a bit vague, but let's just dive in and we'll start at the beginning. So some of you... um, might be a bit uncertain where my accent is from. Um, If you can't tell, I grew up in the US. I'm American, but I moved to Australia almost 20 years ago. Um, But growing up in America, I was the child of immigrants. My dad's American, but my mom um, was born in Hong Kong. And I grew up really close to my Chinese side of my family who um, have a Chinese restaurant. I grew up, you know, working in a sense almost from when I was born. Like my entire childhood was spent in the restaurant. And so I have a really strong work ethic, but the other sort of side effect of that is that I started earning money earlier um, than I guess probably most people do. Like I can remember working for my grandparents when I was like 10 years old and they would pay me, you know, $20 for the day. Um, And I was the kind of kid who that money just burnt a hole in my pocket, right? And so um, I would work the day at my grandparents' restaurant and then I'd go to like the the Rite Aid, for any Americans who remember Rite Aid, like down the corner and just spend my $20 right away. Um, and so it's strange. Yeah, I feel like it was a strange dynamic. I had this really strong work ethic. I was never afraid to work hard, but I also just really knew the power of buying things. And um, I sort of got in the cycle of always needing more, like from a young from a young age. Um, and I wouldn't say that like my family is, is per- particularly materialistic, I mean, no more so than, you know, like your normal, I guess, American family uh, average, I should say, growing up. Um, You know, but I was just maybe exposed to it a bit more because, as I said, I had this income coming in. So um, I should also add that I was a really insecure child. Um, I... I hated how I looked growing up. I was this half Chinese kid in a school where most people were not. Um, I just wanted to be blonde hair, blue eyed, just felt really insecure about myself. So by the time I was a teenager, um, I was earning a pretty regular income from from working, um, not only for my grandparents, but by 16, I had a second job as well. Um, I actually used to work at Pizza Hut. So I'd work for my grandparents. I'd also worked at Pizza Hut. I was earning a decent amount of money, very insecure about my appearance. And as a result, learned pretty quickly that I could spend my money to buy things to make me 
try and feel better about myself. Um, so, you know, buying clothes, makeup, all of that kind of thing, I was just, um, yeah, my money was like water through my fingers, right? I'd earn it and I would buy things to try to fit in and feel good about myself. Um, again, I don't think that's like that different from your average teenager, um, but you know, this is like the late 90s and I was earning, you know, 300, sometimes more a week, which is like quite a lot for a 16 year old. So I've said the capacity to just buy a lot. Um, and so by the time I went to university in my um, early 20s, you know, as you do, um, I think I had already reached the age of full on shopaholic. And so it wasn't just insecurity um, about my appearance. I went off to university and um, without making this story too long, through a series of bad choices, um, didn't really have a lot of close friends. Um, so I was very insecure just on, on so many levels. And so I would work all the time, shop all the time. These were activities that kept me busy. So I didn't have to, really didn't have time to, I guess, sort of dwell in my discomfort, right? Like, you know, you don't have to um, feel bad that you don't have any plans on a Friday night if you're always working on a Friday night, right? And when I did have time off and I was alone and I felt, you know, lonely, um, I could just go shopping, right? Because shopping is like one of the last activities that you can do by yourself and you don't feel like a loser for not having any friends. You can just shop, you know, as much as you want. So, um, yeah, age 20, 21, like all around that sort of university age. Um, again, like really diving into this period of shopaholicism, um, if that's a word, and really just feeling very um, uncomfortable in my own skin, but finding comfort in owning things um, and staying busy all the time. So somewhere around my early 20s, um, my life took a bit of an interesting turn. <laughs> um, I used to live in this seaside town um, where we had a lot of students come from overseas to work for the summer. And so that's when I first was introduced to this idea of like um, backpacking, I guess, you know, depending whether you're familiar with that, it's like long-term travel when you're young and you, um, you know, sort of work as you go and you travel for like, you know, months, if not years at a time, just staying in really budget accommodation, um, which is like an idea that was completely foreign to me as like a sort of lower income 20 some year old in America. Um, the idea that like people could just take off and travel for months or years at a time. Um, but I met these people from all over the world, Irish, um, off the top of my head, Irish, Lithuanian, um, British, who were taking years off to travel. And so it's kind of what I mean about sharing your story. These people told me how they were doing it. Um, and it like planted this seed in my idea, uh, this seed of an idea in my mind, right? Um, about like, well, if they can do it, like what's possible for me? What else is out there that I don't know I could do um, that maybe, you know, maybe I could. So um, through these ideas being introduced to me, I ended up spending a couple years traveling. I found out there was a program where I could move to the UK um, while I was still a student and work for six months, um, which I did. And then I worked for four months in Ireland in a similar program. Um, then I, there was a similar program. I worked for a year in New Zealand. And then I actually um, 
had a partner at the time, my first husband in the end, who was Australian, so I ended up moving to Australia. So for these few years, I had, um, I guess, a break from my norm, right? So I like all through my teenage and my early 20s, I was this shopaholic who was just like literally, I just lived to earn my money so that I could spend it. Right. If you knew me at the time, I wouldn't have said that. At the time, I thought um, I thought I was like a bit of a martyr, to be honest. Like I was like, oh, woe is me. My life is so hard. I have to work so hard. I was, you know, when I was in university, I worked two full time jobs, 80 hours a week. Um, and I thought that I had it so much harder than everyone else. And it's not to say my life wasn't easy um, or that I didn't have my own challenges, I should say. But a big part of them looking back now were my own problem. Right. Like I brought this upon myself because I was shopping so much. Um, but when I went overseas and I was traveling, it was interesting for a few reasons. Like first it was my first dabble into minimalism. Um, even though I still brought tons more than I needed, it was my first time, like I just went overseas with a backpack. Um, obviously you can only have so much stuff. Um, so that was, that was a really unique experience. And then what was also different was it was my first time sort of feeling like I could let myself be me. Um, it was just being around like in a, when I moved to London as, gosh, I think it was 22 years old. Um, I fell into this community of travelers where like nobody, everyone was somewhere foreign, everyone was somewhere new. And I felt like I could be myself. And I sort of lost a lot of the insecurities that I had um, growing up. So I had these few years where I was traveling. In the end, I traveled for almost two, two and a half years. It's hard hard for me to remember exactly now. It was a long time ago. Um, but I traveled for a few years and I had this really different experience where like I was surrounded by people who thought anything was possible. Um, I owned much fewer possessions. I still had problems. I still shopped more than I should, um, but nothing like I used to. And I also just experienced like a side of the world that I never thought was possible. Like I was just around young people who were just living lives that to me felt like a fantasy, right? These are like amazing dreams. And it was a really amazing time in my life. Um, but then after a few years, as I said, I ended up settling in Australia. So that was after our two and a half-ish years of traveling. So um, I got married and I moved to Australia with my first husband. And so you would think that after having spent these these few years traveling, like living out a backpack, you know, being exposed to adventures and a lifestyle that, that I'd never seen growing up, that it would have changed me. Um, and I suppose it did on some level, but at the same time, as soon as I settled down, as soon as I moved to Australia and felt that I was like settled, I fell into a lot of my old habits. Um, like. Literally got off the plane once we moved in. Um, I had a, a small inheritance at the time because my, my brother had passed away. And so we moved into this three bedroom apartment. I had no furniture. Like I said, I just moved to the country. And I remember taking a moving van and driving to Ikea and literally filling it to the brim. And probably, I don't know, weeks after we've moved there, I've got an entire three bedroom house full of stuff. Um, and so I think part of that was I still had that mentality that being an adult meant owning certain things. And also, once I wasn't traveling anymore, once I was settled, once I was trying to build this new life, a lot of the insecurities from my past sort of caught up to me. Um, so at this stage, I am maybe 24, 25. 
<laughs> as I said, I'm getting old now, so all the years are starting to blend together. Um, but then from 25 to, I would say, 30, I really fell back into my old habits. Um, there's a lot I wasn't very happy about during that period of my life. Um, and I, as I said, old habits, I fell into the habit of using stuff and using shopping and using busyness as a way to sort of self-soothe, I suppose would be the best way. Um, it was like whenever, I guess part of me really missed, like when those years when I was traveling, I had all these big dreams. I sort of thought that like life could be, you know, it's going to sound cheesy, maybe a bit idealistic, but like life could be magic. Life could be something big. Like your dreams can come true. Life can be bigger than yourself, right? And then when I settled back down again, it's almost like, like I had to, in my brain, I was like, well, those dreams were just silly. And that was just something that you do in your early twenties. And now it's time to grow up and to be an adult, you know, adulting. Um, and I was uh, having a hard time with it. I was having a hard time sort of dealing with these extremes, I guess. There was part of me that was like still craving these kind of dreams and things that I had for myself. But then there's another part of me is like, Jen, it's time to be a grown up. It's time to, you know, buy a house. It's time to do something with your career. It's time to build that kind of success um, that you always thought you would have. You know, I, I grew up, as I said, I grew up in an immigrant family and and, um, you know, some, I guess some of the stereotypes are a bit true. Like, I always sort of thought that I would be more successful, that I would, you know, do something, you know, quote unquote, with my life to sort of make up for all the sacrifices that, you know, my mom and, and my grandparents made for me. Um, you know, and, and, and I should also add that, like, when I was younger, when I was in school, I was quite good in math. Like, when I went to university, I studied engineering. Um, I never actually finished my university degree because I took that break and I went traveling, like I said. Um, and so, yeah, by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I really felt torn because there was a part of me that thought I'm supposed to be this really successful or, you know, traditionally successful career person with all these ideas of material success. And then there's the other side of me that was like, I had these sort of hopeless dreams that I had no idea how I could make them happen, but I craved them for myself. So anyway, um, how I dealt with that, I guess how I dealt with that disappointment or how I dealt with those conflicting feelings, um, as well as my, you know, insecurities that then started to resurface was to be a shopaholic and workaholic. Um, I worked at the time a sales job. I was a travel agent and it had uncapped commission, um, which meant that it had like uncapped potential for work. Um, and I became one of those people who would work later and later and later um, you know, it was, it was something that gradually kind of crept up on me until, you know, I was working late every single night, um, at which point I was really stressed out. And then my only way of coping that I'd ever really learned of how to deal with my stress if I wasn't traveling was to shop. Um, so those are probably the most challenging, you know, years of my shopaholicism. Um, again, I don't know if that's a word. But I was easily shopping maybe five days a week, if not more. So um, lunch break, I would shop on my way home from work. I didn't really want to go home and be in my house, which I felt was sort of suffocating. So I would go to the shops. Um, my long-term relationship um, at the time was probably not the best. And yeah, so, you know, I felt like all the hopes and dreams and I guess like optimism that I had in my early 20s was just gone. And now I had 
um, almost like a sense of like, well, Jen, you've made your bed, you've chose this life, now you've got to live it. Um, and I didn't want to, so I shopped and I worked to avoid it. So that brings me to around my 30th birthday. Um, at this stage, I had a life that probably from the outside looked pretty good. Like, wasn't richer, wasn't richer, you know, far from it, but I managed to buy a house, you know, checking off some of these life goals. Um, I was married to a guy um, who was, to be clear, a really great guy, really wonderful person, just um, perhaps not the person for me. Um, I had a successful enough career, you know, I had I had a lot of check marks, right? Like where on the surface my life looked good. Um, I had, as I said, I was a shopaholic. I had an entire guest bedroom turned into a closet, um, easily over a hundred pairs of shoes. Like I spent all, all my free time really when I wasn't working or shopping, just really thinking about fashion. I had was obsessed with fashion magazines, had so many clothes that, and the funny thing is at the time I really didn't have a huge social life either. So I had a ton of clothes that I never wore anywhere. Um, but it was almost like a security blanket. Like it's almost embarrassing to admit, but I would spend a lot of time almost like playing dress up. You know, I would, I would just put on outfits all the time, not, not to go anywhere. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, a strange time because on some level it felt like I was doing all the right things, but on a deeper level, I felt like deeply unsatisfied. It was that real, like, you know, it's a bit cliche. You've probably heard this sort of story before, but like just looking in the mirror and looking at myself and being like, is this what your life is? Is this, you know, is this how everything's turned out? Like, how did I become this person? So that's where I was, as I said, around my 30th birthday, really unsatisfied, deeply sort of craving some sort of change, but not knowing what kind of change, like, you know, knowing I wanted something else, but not really knowing what on earth that might be. Um, also feeling very trapped. Yeah. Cause I had, you know, a bit of consumer debt. I had credit cards. I had a mortgage. I was in, you know, a relationship that wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going where I wanted to go, but at the same time, I didn't feel like I could end it. Um, just feeling really like suffocated and trapped in my life is the best way to describe it. Um, around that same time, I was introduced to the idea of minimalism and decluttering. And so um, when I think back, it was a few different blogs. Um, there was a blog called Miss Minimalist, which is Francine J. Another one called Rowdy Kittens, um, which were some blogs about minimalism. And then there was also um, Project 333, which is a minimalist fashion sort of experiment by Courtney Carver. So I, I, did, I like discovered all of these around the same time. And I was intrigued. So at the time, I wasn't thinking that like minimalism or decluttering or anything was going to change my life, right? But I thought I really liked the idea of having a more functional wardrobe. I, I'd seen like sort of these, I think at the time I was just starting to read about like these French style capsule wardrobes where everything went together and you just felt really elegant and put together. And that, that really appealed to me. Um, I struggled a lot with my closet. Like I said, I was that stereotypical, I have a million clothes, but I have nothing to wear. I never feel good in my clothes. Um, my house cluttered. I was always cleaning. Right. So I was attracted to this idea of minimalism and decluttering, just thinking, yeah, it would be nice for like my house to look better. Um, for be like, I don't have to clean all the time. And really, I was really drawn to the idea of having less like minimalist wardrobe where I was just going to look like chic and put together and everything was going to be, um, 
simple and easy. So that was my introduction to minimalism. As I said, at that same time, I was struggling with these sort of bigger issues in my life, but that wasn't, looking back, I can see a connection, but at the time, the initial appeal to minimalism and decluttering um, was really probably more like about my closet and life just being a simpler. I did read in some of these blogs where people were sort of talking about, you know, how much life was easier without, you know, so much stuff and, and bills and responsibilities that go with it. And it intrigued me. Um, but if I'm honest, at that point, I was really just like focused on this superficial level of, yeah, I just don't want to clean and I want to look good when I get dressed without, you know, spending hours at my closet. So that was my introduction to minimalism. Um, probably the... F- It's hard for me to remember exactly, but probably experimenting with Project 333 was where I first got my foot in the door. Um, And it was this idea, any of you who don't, aren't familiar with it, Project 333 is you choose 33 items of clothing, um, depending on the roles that you follow. Some people include shoes or accessories in that, and that you only dress with that for three months. So I can remember so clearly when I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this a try. And sitting down on like taking everything out of my closet and like trying to decide my 33 items. And oh my God, I must've spent like six hours going through my clothes and like sitting there in tears and just finding it to be utterly impossible, right? And just finding it to be like, like I was embarrassed by how impossible it was. Um, Probably some tears at the time, if I'm honest, and just really struggling. And so that was sort of my first dipping my toes into minimalism and decluttering. And so then over the next period, which I would say like maybe two or three years, this actually might have been before, a little before I turned 30. It's hard for me to say again, and I should probably have this timeline worked out better. Um, but around that that age, um, I spent like two or three years dabbling with minimalism. And so this is why I say like I was reading these blogs and like r- learning so much about, um, you know, the value of decluttering and like reading decluttering hacks and and looking at all these different things. But it was just an absolute, it was like pulling teeth, right? I would like declutter a bag of clothes and then the next weekend I would buy, you know, at least twice what I'd gotten rid of and brought it back into the house. Um, It was just, you know, what's the expression? One step forward, two steps back. Like I was going nowhere. Um, I can remember as I said, clothes were a real struggle for me, like just spending hours and hours looking at like one blouse. And honestly, sometimes it felt like, you know, I felt like I was crying. Like I just felt so, um, I felt so stupid. Like I am a grown woman and I am brought to tears about the idea of like getting rid of a blouse. Um, because I'm so ashamed that I've spent like a hundred dollars on a shirt that I've never worn and I know I'll never wear it, and I know I should just get rid of it, but I just can't bring myself to let go, right? Um, so this was my life. As I said, This is, it was definitely very minimal progress for several years. Um, why I attempted, I never really, I guess, completely gave up. I, I, something told me that this idea of minimalism and decluttering, like I just felt so drawn to it, um, and I just felt in my bones, I guess, that it, that it would change something for me. But I really struggled to make any progress. Um, then what happened was I ended up doing a cross-country move. Um, 
and out of necessity, I had to declutter quite a lot of things. Um, just because, you know, we only had so much room. We were, we were quite, we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So we were moving just what we could fit in our car. And so obviously, you know, um, that sort of forced our hand. And that was really interesting for me. I guess that was my first sort of experience of seeing the impact of perspective on decluttering. Um, if any of you have sort of followed me on Instagram or, or get my emails or something, you've probably heard me talk about this concept of um, of clarity and just knowing what matters most and how that's important for decluttering. And it's like, you know, um, these shirts are for whatever, you know, whatever I'm decluttering, shirts or shoes or whatever, they felt so important in the moment. But then when I'm weighing it up against like, oh, well, I'm about to move. And if I want to keep these, I'm not going to have room. I'm going to have to spend, you know, thousands of dollars for a moving van. Actually, all of a sudden that perspective, what I want more than these shoes is to move, right? What I want more is to have this new life. And all of a sudden these shoes don't matter anymore, right? So that was my first sort of experience with that. And I decluttered, um, a considerable amount during that time. Um, yeah, so the, in, the, in probably a few weeks, I really started going through everything and having to go through this process of saying like, you know, is this worth taking to my new life? We're moving across the country to sort of start something, um, start start over, I suppose you could say. Um, so I decluttered about, I don't know, maybe 60, 70% of my belongings at that stage. Then I moved across the country um, to make what I know has been a really, really long story, um, but to make it a little bit shorter, not long after that, my relationship broke up. Um, I ended up moving back overseas for a little while, um, moved to America for a little bit, stayed with my mom, and really had like a full rock bottom moment. Um, I'd reached that point where my relationship had ended. I'd walked away from my career to sort of start over, go back to the States for a bit. Um, I had given up my house. My The house that I owned was was you know, I was renting it out. And so at this stage, I can't even remember how old I was in my early thirties, like staying at my mom's house. I have bills piling up. I don't have, um, a job. I don't have, you know, anything. I'm, I'm really like rock bottom here. Um, and obviously, you know, I we take that with a grain of salt. I know that there's different levels of rock bottom, I guess. It, it was just a point for me though, where I was really like, you know, I'm, I'm in my early 30s and what do I have to show for it, right? What do I have to show except for like a bunch of shoes and storage in Australia? So, um, you know, I won't lie, I had a bit of a pity party for myself. Um, but somewhere around that point, I also had the realization that, hey, I guess one of the um, benefits of sort of starting over and giving up, giving up everything um, was just, it gave me an opportunity to think about what I wanted, right? It was like starting over and it was, it was freeing in some ways. And so um, I guess for the first time in my adult life, instead of just doing like what I thought was expected of me, right? Like, so you settled, how I'd been living my life was, okay, well, you settle down and of course you get a job. And then of course you want to buy a nicer car. And of course you shop on the weekends because that's what people do. And of course you buy a house. And of course you try to get a raise and you try to, you know, I did all these things without really thinking about it, right? I just did what you're supposed to do because that's what adults do. And that's what successful grownups, you know, that's just life. Um, but then once all of that was sort of taken away, I was kind of like, well, now you're starting over, right? You're already behind. You're already starting over at 30. You already have, um, you know, you're already 
success, I suppose, traditional success in my mind at that time was already given up on. That ship had sailed, I suppose you could say. So it gave me the opportunity to think, okay, well now I'm starting over. Like, what kind of life do I want? Like, what, what matters to me? You know, how do I want to live? Because if I'm going to start over anyway, at least this time, maybe I'm going to try and do it on my own, you know, live by my own rules. So that was a real turning point. Um, Again, making a long story a little bit shorter, I ended up moving back to Australia um, after doing a bit more traveling and actually um, met my current husband, who's British. So he came back to Australia with me. And here we were having this whole new life. Um, And so even though I'd already decluttered a lot of my belongings, that's sort of where I feel that I really started to truly embrace minimalism. Um, Because even though I had decluttered that sort of initial round of decluttering, it was more like my hand was forced, if you know what I mean, because I was moving, I had to get rid of those things. Um, Where I didn't necessarily put much intention or into thought into like why I was getting rid of them. Whereas now when I came back to Australia and had this fresh start, um, you know, I'll be honest, my like part of me, it was just like being in my early 20s again when I first moved to Australia. Part of me was like, oh my gosh, I've moved back here. Okay, I need to hurry up. I need to get a place to live. I need to fill it up with belongings. I need to like prove to the world that I'm an adult again. Um, but instead, after sort of having this bit of bit of a breakdown, for lack of a better word, I said, okay, well, what if I just try something different? Um, so for example, I think at this stage, I don't know, maybe I was like 32 or something, um, we ended up, instead of, you know, my, my last time I was in Australia, I had a three-bedroom, no, two-bedroom townhouse um, that I owned. And now a few years later, I'm back in Australia, and this time I ended up moving into a studio unit that was, I don't know, maybe 140 square foot. Um, it was actually student housing. We didn't even, we actually shared our bathroom and our kitchen with a different, like a different apartment. Um, so we were like bare bones. And it was just time for me, I just feel like I really started to think intentionally about the life that I wanted to live. Um, and what I noticed, that's probably where I really started to change my shopping habits as well. I started to think about um, the value or I guess the trade-offs, I should say, of everything in my life, right? So the way I would say that is like, when I would go into a shop, and as I said, reform shopaholic, I never used to think really even intentionally at all about why I would go into a shop. And now I started to think of everything, like every time I would look at buying something, I would say, well, what do I want more, this sweater or these shoes? Or do I want the freedom that I have? Because for the first time, as I said, after sort of, hitting rock bottom and giving everything up, I even though it was on some levels very depressing, but on some levels it was like this freedom, right? Like I was in my early 30s, but I was living like I did when I was 22. Um, and so there was suddenly, I just started to see everything, all the possessions in my life differently. Like a shoe wasn't just a shoe, right? It was like another brick in a wall that I was like chaining myself, um, you know, caging myself, I should say, in. And so that's why I started to think really intentionally. And I would say that's where I started to embrace minimalism because it was no longer about what I owned, but I started to really think about why I owned what I owned and what value was it adding to my life and what I was giving up to, um, to have it. 
And that was sort of the initial point, and, and that really started to spiral. So then for the next few years after that, um, that's really when I started, I think a year after that, I started blogging and talking about minimalism because it was really this values trade-off that I was really focused on, um, this idea that, you know, that, it's, I guess it's a bit cliche, you've probably heard this, like, minimalism sort of quote, um, trying to remember what it was oh it's it's just sort of like the idea that minimalism is about having you know more of what matters right and giving up what doesn't so that you can have more of what matters and that's when I really started to feel that not just hear it not just hear the quotes or read blog posts but really fundamentally feel it at a deeper level um and so just I guess giving you some perspective again that's probably like five or so years from like when I first even heard the idea of minimalism or first even attempted to declutter anything five or so years before I really started to feel differently um and as I said about a year after that I started blogging and writing about it but I was still really learning and and what really came in the next few years after that was like really um taking it even a step further and really breaking down all the um emotions and really understanding why I kept things and why I buy things. So that's when I really started to understand that things like um, the insecurity that I felt about my appearance, you know, for um, all of my teenage and early adult years were part of the reason that I shopped so much, you know, it was to hide, you know, I, I hid behind high heels because they made me feel better. And also the insecurity I felt about, um, you know, just my friendships or how I felt socially was why I worked so much because if you stay busy all the time, you don't have to feel the discomfort um, of feeling lonely. You know, you don't have to feel anything. You can shop and stay busy and never have to face any of your demons. Um, so that's when I feel like minimalism really started to take on a new, I don't know, a new level for me. And I guess um, summing things up, <laughs> I'm not very good at being brief, as you can tell. If I really sum things up, what I've really learned um, in the years that followed as I sort of um, dove deeper into minimalism, not just on a personal level of living it, but also through the experience of sharing my story. Um, any of you who are new here, I've been blogging about minimalism since 2015, late 2015. So just writing and, and attracting people. Um, and, you know, in the more recent years, teaching people about, about decluttering is that the real benefits of owning less, the real benefits of decluttering and minimalism, yeah, you have less stuff. Like right now, I have a minimalist wardrobe, right? And I love it. And it's easy for me to get dressed. And I don't even think about what to wear. And I just, you know, pull anything out and I feel good. And obviously, that's great, right? And I like how my house looks. Like, um, now I have two kids and we live in in, in, in my husband. So there's the four of us living in a 660 square foot apartment. And I can love it. Like, I don't feel overwhelmed. There's four of us here. And I don't feel like we have too much stuff. So that physical level of decluttering and minimalism is great. I won't lie. Um, but if I was going to say, like, if I was going to sell you on a reason why you should care, if I was going to give you, um, you know, a why, a motivation, a reason to go down this journey with me, the reason would be is that minimalism and decluttering helped me regain my sense of self. So, um, how should I say this? You know, I was telling you in my early 20s, I had all these dreams and all these things that I thought was possible, right? And I didn't necessarily know all the answers when I was, you know, 22 and traveling around the world. I didn't necessarily know um, even what I wanted from life, right? I just knew a feeling. I wanted to, to feel alive. I wanted to feel excited about my life. I just wanted to 
go on adventures and learn new things and and have meaningful relationships and conversations. Um, but I lost that over the years. You know, the more I worked and the more I shopped, I got into this bubble where I just felt like life was about like going through the motions. And it was like I was living on autopilot, really. Um, but as I sort of broke my dependence on working and shopping, um, I created space in my life, right? Space that wasn't necessarily comfortable. Um, decluttering minimalism isn't like a magic pill. It didn't like make everything great in my life. And a lot of that space that I it created was actually to deal through past traumas and hurts and all sorts of things that aren't fun to do. Um, but really at the end, it gave me space to dream again. It gave me space to feel hopeful. Um, you know, it's a bit like, it's like if, if somebody said to you tomorrow that like any of your dreams could come true, any of your wildest dreams could come true. Um, you know, if, you, if someone said that to me 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, that sounds great, but I've got all these responsibilities and I've got a mortgage and I've got, you know, a whole closet full of crap. I can't just go off and chase my dreams, right? But now, even with two kids, like I feel like I just feel this freedom and I just feel like there's more possibility and there's more hope and I have space to try things and to fail. Like my blog or this podcast or all these things, like these only exist because I created space in my life to experiment and to do things and to be messy and to fall on my face and to, um, yeah, I guess almost live, it, it reminds me, um, you know, thinking of my kids of like being a child where you can just try things without expectation and you can do that because you have space. And by space, I mean less physical stuff weighing me down, um, you know, space in my wallet as well. Like when I stopped, you know, when I downsized my life, um, a link in the show notes, I read a, a blog post about how, um, you know, by living in that, that studio apartment that I told you about earlier, I was able to pay off all my consumer debt. I was able to save up quite a lot of money. Um, I reduced my living expenses by, at one stage, like 80%. Um, not now, now that I have kids, it's come back up a little bit. Um, but you know, I've created room where I'm not just like in the cycle of like working to shop and to like, where every day it's just like, how do I survive? How am I gonna get things done? And I created that space intentionally um, by decluttering and simplifying. And just to be clear, it's not something that happens overnight. Like it was five years of, of doing it. Um, five years of, of probably at least five years of real intentional work. Um, but I was able to create this space in my life. Another thing I was able to create, and the other thing I think is really, um, really valuable, and another huge reason for pursuing minimalism or decluttering is the way I feel about myself in terms of like my confidence and my self-worth. So, um, I don't know, this one might not apply to everyone, but for me, as I said, my busyness and my shopping were very much a reaction to me feeling like I'm not good enough, right? I'm not beautiful enough, but if I buy a lot of four-inch heels, I'm going to feel better. Shoes were like my um, security blanket, like if I didn't feel good about myself, but then I put on a pair of four-inch heels, um, that was sort of my way of feeling better, feeling more confident. Um, or, you know, if I, you know, felt insecure, like, you know, my friends or, or people I knew back home had better jobs and I wasn't living up to it, but I had an expensive handbag I could pretend and it would make me feel better. You know, the things I owned, um, 
the way I think of it is almost like a mask, right? Like, I don't feel good about who I am, but I can buy all these things that project a story that I want to tell, right? So it was like kind of writing this fantasy, which wasn't even just about myself. It was like just about how I thought other people perceived me. Um, same with work. Like, as I said, I grew up in a minimalist family, like, or sorry, did not grow up in a minimalist family. I grew up in an immigrant family. My grandparents, when I was growing up, worked 365 days a year. They used to work every day, but a half day on Mondays. Um, and open to close in a restaurant up until I think they're like, I think my grandparents were in their mid-60s when they closed. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty high bar for um, hard work. It's like, no matter how hard I work, I'm not working as hard as, as you know, my family members. Um, and I guess I really had this idea that what made me special wasn't that I was smart, wasn't that I had anything special to offer, but almost more that I could suffer more than anyone else. Like I could work 80 hours a week and still get up and drag myself out. And so um, it was a bit shocking, really. Like when I started to work less, I owned less, I shopped less, I didn't need as much money, I didn't have to work as much as I used to. I had this um, this like crisis of confidence at first where I was like, well, who am I? if I'm not the person who works harder than everyone else? Who am I if I don't have a closet full of four inch heels? Who am I if I'm, um, you know, if I don't have all these things in my life to, to tell my story? Um, and again, this is not something that happens overnight, but after years of sort of having to do the work of letting go, of having to actually, you know, you know, answer those questions. Um, yes, I know that sounds kind of vague, but actually sort of try to figure out, well, who am I without these things? Um, I've changed completely how I feel about myself. And again, I know it's a bit cheesy and a bit cliche, um, but you know, I'm about to be 41. By the time this goes to air, I'll probably be by 40, I'll probably be 41 already. Um, you know, I stopped coloring my hair a few years ago. I've let my grays go. I've had two kids now. I'm, you know, a bit heavier probably than I've ever been in my life. But at the same time, I feel more confident in my skin than I felt as like a skinny 22 year old or that I've really felt any other time in my life. Um, you know, I've given up my career. Um, I blog and, and, um, teach decluttering courses full-time. I have a career that most people don't even understand. Like if I go to a dinner party and I try to explain what I do, people are like, what? You know, where I used to have like a, um, you know, at one point I was a marketing manager for a company. I was traveling overseas. I had like a job title that felt more impressive than I do now, but I feel more comfortable in who I am. And I genuinely believe that, um, the kind of optimism that I have, the dreams that I'm able to, to hold on to, um, hold space for, the confidence that I have that I never thought I would have. All of this is a byproduct of decluttering, minimalism, and simplifying. Okay. And it's not just, it's not just owning less stuff magically makes this happen, but it's about who you become on the journey as you start to have go through all the things that you own and all the things that you do and all the things that you buy and you start to question everything and you start to break down, you know, where does your clutter come from? Um, it is like the best example I can think. It's like, you know, when you have a sculptor who's like chipping away at a stone and that's your, like your life now is like this big blobby rock and you're chipping away at all the clutter. And then the statue that's revealed 
underneath is sort of your authentic self. And it's like as you get rid of all the things that you think you should be or all the things that thinks that you have to do and as you let go of it, um, you tap into your true self. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that's a bit cheesy, but that is my passion for decluttering and minimalism. Like I'm not, um, for anybody who's new here, who's not really familiar with my work, I am not really a homemaker in the sense that like I'm not going to give um, many interior design tips. Um, I'm not like going to tell you how to style a small room on a budget. I'm, you know, and I don't really have like a lot of like practical hacks. I'm not going to tell you how to get your laundry done quicker, you know. Um, but what I believe in and what this podcast is all about is really decluttering from the inside out. It's about this really intentional process of um, getting clear on what we want out of life, right? Like getting clear on our hopes and dreams and then taking intentional action um, to have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. So thanks for listening to my story. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please, it's new. So feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review um, and check back soon because I'll be sharing lots more um, about my decluttering journey, what I've learned, how things have changed. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll be here to join me. That's all for now. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Simply and Fiercely show. If you want to learn more, you can download my free mindful decluttering guide and learn all the secrets that help me go from shopaholic to minimalist. All you need to do is visit simplyfiercely.com backslash free guide. That's all one word to get instant access. Until next time. Thanks again.